Hope you guys had a great week. I know that I've had a fantastic week. I will share some of the goings on with you at the end of the show because, I mean, it's been a pretty huge week for me here at Talent Think Innovations Headquarters. But enough about me. Um, tonight's show is really um, an off-the-cuff show. I didn't even promote this really, and I usually promote my shows uh, largely because this week just got really, really crazy for me and... I'm not even sure that I knew what I wanted to talk about until about a day ago. But tonight, I want to talk about something that just keeps coming up. It's something that just keeps crossing my desk. And I think that it warrants, you know, a further discussion. And perhaps it may be helpful to, you know, HR practitioners and HR practitioner friends of mine. And I think it's also a great consideration for just people in general in terms of, you know, diversity and how we continue to have discussions about it so you know it, it's about let's getting let's get beyond diversity um, and I have my opinions on it and I'll tell you you know from where they stem so let's get into it um, before I start that though I usually will dip in about this time with like some supporting articles this time, like I said, it's really off the cuff and this is really just based on some things that I'm encountering in business and discussions that I'm having with people. And I, like I said, I just think it's important that I share my thoughts on how we really should be looking at diversity uh, because it's the hot topic of the year. I can't tell you guys just like how often people are reaching out to me or wanting to have discussions with me about diversity. It's pretty much almost weekly now and it's been that way since about, it's been that way for about a year now, but I would say like in high gear, it's been that way probably since the whole Me Too and Time's Up movement started, which was like just about the end of last year. So... You know it's it's just been aggressive so let let's get into it and let me set the, the playing field so part of what I've encountered at least since the me too and times up thing has happened is um, suddenly everybody wants to have a discussion about diversity and and how they can either get into the diversity game if we want to call it a game or you know, wanting to know what the best practices are or how they can do better. And I've written about this quite a bit. I mean, part of me is a little tired of the discussion of diversity, which, you know, I guess may sound weird to some people because your first inclination might be, well, you know, if we're talking about diversity, Janine, then doesn't that like benefit people like you or people who look like you and so yes and no I, and I guess part of my my rebellious nature against diversity conversations is really because I've worked in the trenches for well over a decade watching just how diversity gets treated within an organization and 
quite frankly, it's not dealt with from a, a very genuine standpoint. So when I say that, I mean that companies on a whole aren't looking at diversity from the standpoint of it's the greater good. It becomes pretty difficult to sell at least enterprise companies and and probably and even so some mid-sized companies on the value add for diversity unless you talk to them about dollars and cents and that for me is a problem so the second that an organization is like you know i get that you're telling me that my team will be exponentially better i get that you tell me that um, will make better decisions i get that you tell me there'll be a variety of thoughts but really if i go hire x amount of blacks and x amount of latinos and x amount of um, asians or differently able people you know like what does that really look like from a dollars and cents standpoint and so like there are people there are experts out there that will absolutely have that discussion I personally don't want to have that discussion with any organization because what it tells me is that you as an organization need for these people to make you money for you to care about whether it's the right thing to do to offer them employment. And that's a problem for me. Um, why can't we do it because it's the right thing to do? Like what happened to that? You know, like there was a time and space in the universe at some point where we said to ourselves, we do X, Y, Z because it's the right thing to do. You know, like they're just like some really basic things that we can agree to that everybody should have. And because of that, the right thing to do is to hire somebody, not because of their skin color or their particular demographic or whatever, but we hire the best possible person because we know that they will do the best job. And the truth of the matter is, is there are a great many people across many dem demographics that are overlooked daily, yearly, um, for opportunities because companies are hell-bent on bringing in the same kind of person for every role in their organization. So from top to bottom, you still have organizations that are monochromatic um and 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 you know somewhat myopic in nature in the sense that it's the same mindset the same look the same feel across the board whether you look at leadership or your janitor and so you know people are calling bullshit on that essentially and saying you know that's crap there's more to society and all of this and work than just hiring the same people over and over again surely there must be more qualified people and so everybody now wants to have the discussion and so one of the questions that i get answered get asked excuse me um often is you know what are the best practices how do i um strive for a more diverse and inclusive workforce and my simple answer to that is that companies who care about diversity and inclusion, they just do it. They just do it. 
there's no there's no magic wand there's no magic formula there's no um you know there's not a magic formula to this the companies that i've observed that truthfully care about diversity and inclusion they just do it they just make it happen um, they don't spend a lot of time searching for best practices they don't spend a lot of time um, you know trying this program or that program or creating initiatives they just hire the best people and they actively seek out the best people across many different demographics and they also don't impede those people from having a foot into the organization they don't and that is to say they don't create barriers for them right so let me just go back over that just so that it's abundantly clear companies who really care about diversity and inclusion they just do it starts from the top and it becomes pervasive throughout the organization and it becomes it's it's part of their fabric they don't need to be coaxed or told or coached about like why it's going to impact their bottom line they just know that inherently it's the right thing to do and they do it and they seek those people out and somehow in time not overnight but some somehow in time their workforce ends up looking like you know a, a prototype of what society looks like so when we talk about diversity essentially we're we're saying that your organization should look like a screenshot if you will of what society looks like and so you know if you look around your neighborhoods you look around the community not everybody's neighborhood and community because there are still communities and neighborhoods in the u.s that are um homogeneous in nature i'll say um but you know that said those i think are in the minority so when you look at society as a whole at least here for the U.S., we're pretty diverse. And so when we talk about the importance of diversity and, and what that should look like, it should look like what society looks like. And there are still workforces and organizations that just don't have that that image. It cannot be found. It cannot be found in leadership. cannot be found in the middle. It can't be found at the bottom. So... Um, you know going back to my point organizations CEOs that care they just do they don't spend a lot of time worrying about the perfect diversity strategy they don't spend a lot of time thinking about you know the perfect diversity program initiative they don't spend a lot of time counting the the heads that come into their organization so what I mean by that is that they don't have an established quota system or or even you know unwritten quota system where they're thereby counting okay well we hired this many black people we're good we hired this many latinos we're good we hired this many differently able people we're good uh and yes that does go on and yes i have seen that done as sickening as it may seem so you know they just do they just get it done and they have a dedication to making the lives of people better through whatever their respective mission is so let's get beyond diversity and this is where I've been trying to kind of push the gamut a little bit in terms of people's thinking so great to talk about diversity 
in my opinion, when we talk about diversity, we're simply talking about low, basically making the playing field level in the sense that people can get in the door. It's really just people getting in the door when we talk about diversity. It means that if I have a company, and I do, and let's just say I'm hiring and diversity is a focus for me today, then if I'm really just focused on diversity, then I'm going to be looking at the many ways that I can bring in a good helping of black professionals, depending on what roles I have in my company, Latino professionals, differently able professionals, LGBTQ professionals, like I'm going to be looking across all of what we would call marginalized groups and I'm going to be trying to get a healthy helping of all of those people into my organization. So in a sense, it's like a form of herding, if you will, you know, like let's herd as many diverse peoples as we can into the organization. And that is the first step. I'm, I, it may sound obnoxious how I'm describing it and, and on some level it warrants that. Um, but really that's all you're doing at the diversity level is really making sure that you have a, a good uh, cross-section of society within your organization. Cool. So now you've got that. And so what happens is a lot of organizations just think that it's cool to stop there. They're like, oh, well, we've got, you know, look around. We've got a lot of diverse people here. We're, we're killing the diversity game right now, right? And I hate to break it to you, but you're not. And, and so I'll give you an example. I had a webinar um, probably about two years ago now, um, and it was called Every Recruiter Should Be a Diversity Recruiter. And so um, I had this person, pretty high up person in a company that, you know, at the Q&A portion had shared that she had solved for the diversity problem in her organization and that you know she was really proud of like what they had done and so she went on to share that like she hired all these engineers and that most of the engineers she had hired were latino and you know they they all are you know basically doing well and so you know they were diverse they had tons of latinos tons of asians they were good great and so, you know, diversity wasn't necessarily an issue. I'm not sure why she felt the need to share it because she, you know, in her opinion, she's doing the great, the greater good. And so I had urged her to really think about whether or not they're thriving. Um, so I said to her, you know, it's great that you have so many Latino engineers. It's great that you have Asian engineers. You've solved for one level of what the issue is. But I would challenge you to actually go back and look at those hires and see like, okay, we when did we hire them? And, and so like, what is their footprint? What is their career footprint within the organization since hire? That was my challenge to her. Because it's one thing to say, great, we've got all of these, you know, really diverse people working for our organization that's fantastic um but if they come into your organization and if they're not being assimilated properly 
And when I say assimilated, I mean they're not easing into the normal routine of your organization, either from a timing perspective in a timely manner, and two, from a social, um, from a social perspective, they're not exactly melding, if you know what I mean, right? So from an assimilation standpoint, if there are issues there, and maybe they're not, but it warrants some investigation to know whether your diversity strategy is actually working. Because if you just get them there and they can't assimilate, what's the point? If you just get them there and they're not moving or there are no opportunities for them to move beyond the role that they're in, what exactly is the point? What, what strategies do you really have? So th this is where I'm kind of like trying to push the conversation a little bit further on people, especially since they're coming to me and asking me about how they can do this is it, it's not enough for you as an organization to say you're hiring diverse people. You have to monitor it and you have to see if one, great, you got them through the door. What was that experience like? And then once you find out what that experience is like, you need to compare it to their white counterparts, which is always the control in the factor, right? So there's, it's always women and white males, black women and white males. You know, um, it, it's that, Lat Latinos and white males, because ultimately the standard and the only, per the only person demographic that is really, really winning in the workforce and in society are white males. So when you see studies, when there are diversity studies done, it's always done against whatever the marginalized group is and the group that isn't marginalized. You know, for instance, if we're talking about uh, differently able people, we're going to always be looking at how is it for differently able people versus how it is for able people. So, you know, like not, I'm not putting the focus solely on white males. That's true when it comes to racial um, groupings and, and how different races get treated. But, you know, it goes down the line, you know, it, looking at anything, you know, how is it for a veteran versus a non-veteran? You know, like I said, how is it for an able person? Is it easier for an able person versus is it harder for a differently able person? we're always looking at that or we should always be looking at that and I just haven't gotten the sense and I haven't seen that there's that level of depth yet. I think everybody just enjoys talking about D&I and diversity and inclusion and the importance of it and they stop short of the stuff that really makes the impact. So what I'm saying in all of this is great if you are doing great outreach efforts and getting in good people but you can't scream success until you've actually evaluated your efforts like until you've actually decided that okay this referral referral source that I've used has actually guarded me great diverse candidates well then you can hang your hat and say well yeah We've picked some really good referral sources. We've vetted them. We've got these employees, these hires to thank for those particular efforts. And, you know, whatever, the bottom line was impacted this way. Because, you know, it always comes back to the bottom line. But that's when you can start to sing praises. 
beyond that, okay, cool. Now that you've established which great referral sources you have and which ones are getting you the most traction and the best hires, then you can start to look at things like, okay, we know we hired these 10 people, diverse people into the organization. Where are they? You know, you need to look at that. You need to look at it like six months in. You need to look at that like a year out. You need to look at it maybe in increments of, you know, one, three, five, for instance. You know, so where were they in the first year? Where were they three years out? If you're lucky enough to hold them five years, where are they now five years in? And, you know, does their career trajectory look like it should look? For anybody else that would be similarly situated to them that is not part of their demographic group so to give you an example meaning that if I enter your organization today right I'm doing good work let's just say I'm a senior HR manager okay great what does my career trajectory look like and my earning potential look like one year out three years out five years out and when I'm looking at that, is my road upward or wherever it is I'm trying to go different or substantially different from somebody else who is white, for instance, like a white woman or a white man? Um, what does that look like for them? And so in doing that comparison, it's not unfair. It's to look and see like, hey, did this person not have to go through all of these trainings that I had to go through to get to the next level, well, there might be some inequity there. Did this person get promoted into a, a management or a director level position without having to have some sort of higher education or a certain performance rating, but I did? There might be some inequity there. You know, like, these are the little things that you as an organization have to be looking at it's not just saying oh well, look around we've got people of all colors and all backgrounds but what are you doing with them you know and and i i would i can hang my hat on this and not feel like i'm speaking out of turn most people that I know, it's been my experience and it's been the experience of people that I know and it's I've seen it firsthand, you know, for a lot of people of, you know, what whatever marginalized group you're talking about, more specifically when it comes to race for sure, you can only get but so high. You can only get but so high in still so many organizations. Even if they bring you in at a directorship, you know, it's like trying to get to that VP level is not impossible, but it's not a simple thing either. And so somebody might say, well, why does it need to be simple? Well, it doesn't necessarily need to be simple, but it also should not be exponentially harder for me if I've got the right education, the right knowledge, the right abilities, and someone else who has less than that has it easier. So it like I, I think sometimes the conversation gets diverted to, oh well, you know, life's not fair and you know, nobody owes you anything. And I don't think that that's the point. I want to be very clear about that. I think 
nobody's really looking for a handout but I think what I know many of my really really great friends and people just really great people I've known over the years are looking for is just the fair opportunity just the opportunity to present themselves to present their their knowledge and their abilities and the full scope of what they're capable of and if after you've been able to see that and truly evaluate it you decide that you know what you're not qualified for whatever the position is then fine you know like I think any adult can eat that fine but I think what's happening is that's not happening it's not happening where people of you know different demographics are having that opportunity to fully express and present their knowledge skills and abilities and you know other people are that don't look like them and so when you see that as a person of color or as a able you know differently able person or whatever the case is the only you can call it an assumption and a poor one at that but the only conclusion you really can come to is that well you know they they've given it to that person that looks like that and that person that looks at that and it's never ever ever come around to somebody that looks like me chances are they're excluding me because I'm black or chances are they're excluding me because they don't want a differently able person to top or chances are they're excluding me because I'm a lesbian whatever you know what I mean like those are the assumptions that people will come to if over and over again they are passed over for opportunities whether that be training or true opportunities to better themselves and so like coming back to the whole let's get beyond diversity it's not enough to to worry about the best practices it's not enough to just get people through the door you gotta you've actually got to utilize them they've got to be viable um viable visible players in your ecosystem they shouldn't be hidden figures is what I'm saying and there's still a lot of hidden figures too many and, and what do I mean by hidden figures you know I mean that they are people who are actively participating in your company or in your workforce and they are actively contributing and making an impact and yet they have nothing to show for it and perhaps nobody really even knows who they are or what what body of work is tied to them so you have a lot of scenarios where you have people who are worker bees and they're churning out mass amounts of work every day that impact the bottom line and yet nobody in the c-suite let alone anybody below them knows who that person is like knows enough about them to have a conversation about them or with them that's ridiculous and that right there is also where you know you start to get into morale issues and ultimately we get into the whole discussion of employee engagement and why people are just woefully disgruntled in their jobs these are the reasons why these are the reasons why it's like okay so you pushed me into the door great I was thankful 
you know, I was gung-ho about the job. I'm doing the job. I actually like my job. But I'm doing a lot of different things. And I'm really trying to expand myself largely to impress you, the company I work for. But hand over fist, you're doing nothing with me. You are basically taking what I have to give. Um, when it comes to performance time, my performance evaluation is okay, you know, because there's always that whole spiel about how many people can get high ratings on a performance evaluation, but that's a separate show. And then even with that, I can't even see a cost of living raise, let alone a, a raise that could garner me, you know, maybe a nice vacation somewhere or a treat to myself or some some something that lets me know as a human being that what I'm doing for you or all the things that I've worked for, right, and at this time, if we're talking about professionals, you know, could be the fact that you've gone through school and you've gotten a bachelor's degree and a master's degree and, a, and several certifications. Like, people come to work to understand that the things that they've sacrificed for, like education, was worth it they come to make money too of course but it's you know was it all worth it in the end and so you know it's one thing I think people used to be really hype about you know attaching their name to working for a certain company and it's like oh well if I could say I worked at JP Morgan Chase that's you know hey great and so let's just say I get into the door that's one step great but if I sit in the same position, I can't get a promotion. All things considered, I'm a great employee. I can't get a promotion, can't get a transfer, can't get more money. I don't get offered any training opportunities. There's project opportunities or committee opportunities. I don't get asked for those. Are you really doing the diversity thing well? Are you really doing the inclusion thing well? And coming back to inclusion, by the way, you know, I think it is a very important thing to be thinking about how people are coming into your organization and being assimilated. I don't think people think about it a lot. It's it's almost part of your onboarding in a sense. And yet, I think it's one of the most overlooked things. It's like, oh, well, let's hire them. Let's get the paperwork done. Let's get them to orientation. And then shortly after orientation, nobody checks for that new hire again. I mean, good companies that have good processes in place around their talent management will, but nobody's really, really checking for that person and how they're doing. And what I'm saying is, at least from a diverse, I mean, you should be, for anybody that enters your organization, whether they are diverse or not, I think that it would be good on you to have some sort of process in place to make sure that you're checking in to make sure that they're comfortable in their role, that they have what they need, that they are, um, you know, socially assimilating in a way that's comfortable for them. Not not what you want, but what is comfortable for them. And, uh, you know, being able to manage that because that right there, that those first like three to six months are so crucial. You can make and break a hire. They find out about you. It's like a relationship. You find out about them, they find out about you, and, you know, they decide pretty quickly whether they like what they see. And so it becomes really important to understand, like, how difficult was, them, was it for them to get settled 
in the job and assimilated and comfortable with the co-workers and comfortable with the surroundings and the way of, in which you do business. And so, you know, if, if that's an important consideration just for workers overall, then for certain it has to be a strong consideration when we talk about diverse people because we know for a fact that they are last in so many regards and when I say this I'm not saying this if your company's fantastic at that you're fantastic at it don't get your panties in a bunch right but what I'm saying is that a lot of organizations that I'm talking to or the ones that are approaching me are not getting it right and so you know if you're focused on like I said that portion that onboarding that really tender um, space and time between employer and brand new employee where you're supposed to still be wooing them and and making sure that they feel gung-ho about having take having taken that opportunity um, you've got to be paying attention to how they're assimilating and and since we're talking across the board you've got to pay even closer attention for your diverse people you just do to make sure there's no you know unreasonable expectations that they're not finding it exponentially difficult to get settled in and to do the job that you hired them to do it warrants that look and once you've solved for the fact that they're good they've gotten in they're settled they're part of the fabric now and you know they're getting things done then you've got the challenge of looking at equity you know like all things considered are they being offered the right things given their background given what you are offering other people and if that answer is no then it's an opportunity for you as an organization to really look at your processes and your policies and understand why that is and and hopefully make a change you know a genuine change but I am you know fitfully <laughs> over the diversity the superficial discussion of diversity i'll say you know like i've said on record that i'm over diversity um and maybe that's just not what i mean i think i'm just over the just you know general conversation of diversity as it pertains to well i don't know where to find them or i don't know how to do it or i don't know where do i find people you know like that's always a perplexing question to me and I guess it, it's not so much if you're like some mom and pop or really small company in an area where like I said there are still areas in the U.S. that are not, are homogeneous in nature and so you know perhaps in those areas it is a challenge you know I, I guess it could be but um you know in areas where that's not the case and you're like how do we find these people google's your friend i mean even for me as a black person it just never has been that hard that difficult for me to find a good diverse candidate now granted i've worked in like stem and the sciences and sometimes they're just not an oversaturation of diverse people in some of those roles and that has to do from a pipelining um issue just in terms of us just not having enough people going into those programs from an educational standpoint 
but other than that I've always been able to find good diverse people there around I think if you're just not looking for them then you won't find them and see like that's the stuff that nobody wants to admit or cop to is that we're out here but if you're not looking for us in the first place we can't you can't honestly say you don't know where we're at you know and like this has even been like a sticking point um because you know I do speak I'm a public speaker and you know one of the the bigger themes has been how do events and conferences diversify you know how do they start to bring in more diverse speakers and I've had several people say to me that they have no idea how to find good diverse speakers and this is perplexing to me because I'm just like we're out there if you're looking and then you just see instances like something I'm a part of right now where you know we didn't have to work all that hard we simply put out a call for speakers and you know suddenly we had like you know 50 60 75 applications from diverse women and men who wanted to speak so it's really not that hard you know and that that's a separate topic a separate night because I have my own views about like you know your steering committees and and the front like those really big front front facing roles that you know will let somebody know whether it's a safe haven for them to apply to your event completely separate but still you know I just am not I, I just can't exactly get on board with somebody that tells me you can't find either good diverse professionals or good diverse speakers because we're out here and again if we're the aim in diversity is that we're looking to have some sort of microcosm of society then that means that people diverse people diverse great diverse people in a myriad of roles should be plentiful and 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 not a challenge for you to find so I don't know guys I hope that this is helpful um I really just think that you know like it's such a hot topic and it's also such a contentious topic and I just think that companies ought to really think about how they're posing those questions to people like me or in general because it really isn't so much about best practices as it is you know where do you stand on on humans and you know an opportunity and and just not impeding any one person from entering your company you know like this is a, a mission thing this is a vision thing it's not a program or initiative thing that is like an offshoot it is who do you who are you as a company what do you stand for and what is the impact that you hope to have you know on your employees as a result of them becoming employed with you what does that look like and I think that's the place to start to start to decide like what kind of company you are um and then from there if you feel like there's a, a necessity for a program or an initiative or a policy then by all means but really it's just 
part of your modus operandi, your mission and vision, you know, who and what person is going to align best with your organization and, and what that looks like. Um, so please, if you're an HR practitioner or somebody in that capacity who is really having serious conversations about diversity this year and what needs to happen, I'm just urging you to really think about some of the things I said and really move and push well beyond the scope of diversity. I'm not saying don't deal with it if it is a specific issue for your company. So for instance, you're not getting enough people, um, you know, different demographics through your door, then you do have to deal with that. But if you are, get beyond that and really start exploring the less convenient truth about, you know, why you're getting people in the door and perhaps they're, you know, they're not thriving to the levels that other people are, you know. And, and like I said, it could be a scenario in which they're not arriving at those those stages or getting those opportunities because maybe their performance isn't great. And if there aren't, listen, nobody's asking you to give any handouts. If somebody's not good, they're not good. It doesn't mean because you're diverse, you're, you get a, a free pass. Um, but the deal is, is that if I am diverse and if I am bringing the heat and if I am impacting your bottom line and if I am educated and qualified and all these other things that companies look for and I keep seeing somebody who doesn't have a third of that moving on up, I'm going to be pretty pissed and it, it will certainly in time spell a bigger issue for you. So there's that. So hope this is helpful. Um, this topic was not in vain um, because this week, super stoked, and I'm still kind of, you know, coming to the realization that it even happened, but I had an awesome, awesome interview with Newsday. For those of you that are in the tri-state area, you know that Newsday is, you know, one of our bigger publications, newspapers here. And Newsday's been awesome to me. I, you know, did some things with them last year and they just continue to come back to me to have discussions on topics that are up my alley. So this time they came back to me to discuss the very thing that I'm discussing right now, which is diversity and, you know, what does it take for uh, any company, but more specifically a, you know, small, mid-sized company to really develop a diversity strategy and, and a successful one at that and so I had that interview with them and lucked out like so much that they it ended up getting bumped up to a, a full not just a small biz review um, a small biz article rather but it is now in the the main business section and so I ended up having my photographs in the in the newspaper like it was pretty freaking crazy um to see that you know you read the newspaper you don't ever see yourself in it and so it was pretty cool for this interview to you know really be able to chime in on what I think about diversity strategy and how small and mid-sized companies can kind of get ahead of it but also to just have that platform with Newsday and have them photograph me how freaking cool and they did it right here in this office it was just 
super cool. So um, if you're interested, I have shared it on my Twitter, the Newsday article, and or you can just go to Newsday and see it. It was just when I think it came out either Sunday or Monday. It might have been Sunday, but um, it's all about diversity and it was pretty pretty cool to chime in on that and talk about you know specifically what companies can do outside of the scope of it's just good to you know have a diverse workforce or diverse workforces perform better you know like all the cliche stuff we've heard for years so I really got behind beyond that and and try to share some better things um so that happened and then I actually got back to writing on the blog guys got back to it after like tons of traveling and tons of work it just got crazy and so the article I have out for this week is called the challenge of empathy and it's live on the aristocracy of hr.com right now and really what I'm doing in this article is recapping my experience with my women in leadership panel that I did for ultimate software um, a few weeks back in Vegas and I just kind of go through what happened during the session and how you know even for me how I had to learn how to exercise empathy um, or how I learned it's not so much that I had to but it was a feeling I had in the moment that I needed to exercise it and so I just share a little bit about that story and also give some tips on how everybody um, but more importantly you know HR professionals and just professionals in general can start to exercise more empathy to improve their relationships just all around so if you're interested in that article it's the aristocracy of hr.com it's also shared on my twitter which i'm at zarina of hr for those of you that are new to this show so you can check that out check out the newsday article and i also have the women in leadership panel live stream which is pinned to the top of my profile so just everything you need is right there so check me out on twitter at zarina of hr but Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for the live viewers. Thank you replay viewers. I always see you and I appreciate you immensely. Um, that's all I've got for tonight. Next week I will be back with a new topic and we just keep it rolling from there. So you guys have a great rest of your night and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.